0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. Kyle Gunther, former Ute, joining us now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Kyle, good morning.
1: Happy Friday, DJ, PK. How are you guys?
0: Great. What do you do with yourself on a bye weekend? What's a typical got, bye weekend like for a player?
1: you got to get yourself mentally and physically refreshed. you got to take some time off, obviously. They'll practice maybe two or three days in the week, and you know nothing full tackle or, or full hitting just to keep your timing ready. And then you'll hit the weight room a couple extra times and uh, try to rehab yourself a little bit. But I always loved watching college football on a Saturday that we had off because – during the season when you're playing, I mean, unless there's a game on in the early part of the day and you're playing late, you don't get to just be a college football fan. And I, like a lot of the guys that are playing, I grew up a college football fan. There are teams that I wanted to watch even as a player that weren't they weren't Utah. You know, I grew up wanting to watch the Oregon Ducks. My dad played there, so if Oregon was ever on, I wanted to watch them. But it's about making sure you're still in love with football. And and sometimes guys watch a bunch of college football, or sometimes guys get away. I had friends that would just sit around and play video games. They didn't want to watch much football. They wanted to decompress from the grind that is college football. So the youths are, you know, overall as a team, they're trying to get healthy. You know, Kyle Whittingham's talked about Tyler Huntley being very close to being 100%. So for a lot of the guys like Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley, you're in the training room. You're getting your shoulders and your knees stemmed and iced and stretched, and you're doing extra stuff, core work to try to rehab the injuries that you've undoubtedly accured throughout the season.
2: So I'm figuring for Kyle, or Kyle as he has this time off that he gets a Manny and a Petty. What do you think?
1: <laughs> Kyle Whittingham hasn't taken a nap in 20 years. He hasn't been to a mall in 30 years. And I think he said he's been about a decade now on pace for he hasn't missed a workout for the last 10 years i think he takes sundays off uh but he hasn't had an unscheduled day off of working out in close to a decade if not 10 years so kyle whittingham's the last guy on earth to go get a mani-pedi but (laughs) is this a new thing just the last couple of games i've noticed these short sleeve hoodies that he's been wearing uh people have been asking about him he's got this new fashion sense so Maybe he'll get a haircut or something, but uh, no, ain't nobody touching Kyle Whittingham's toes.
2: <laughs> Come on, he turns 60 in a few weeks. He's got the world by, you know what, I mean, he's on top of the world here. He's one of these rare, in a volatile profession, he's basically untouchable. I say, put your feet up, literally.
1: Uh, and I agree with you. I'm not against it. If you guys were to see right now, my toenails are very much painted pink, because my three-year-old daughter yelled at me the other day to paint my nails. I said no, and she kept yelling, and she kept yelling until she got her way. And that's pretty much been the way women have interacted yeah, I, with typical, me my entire typical life. Typical woman, huh? They, <laughs> they just, you know, they yell at me until they get their way. Uh, but also, you know, that my nails do look fabulous. Uh, I have no shame, and uh, my daughter has broken my will and spirit. I believe Kyle Whittingham's kids are, are grown-ups. Now, his grandkids are not quite old enough to yell and scream at him until he gives in to their will. So, I'll say Whittingham might get his toes painted in the next few years when his uh, grandkids get a little older, but no, I just don't think it's done. I I think Kyle Whittingham is of that old-school mindset that you just don't paint your toenails or it makes you a girly man.
0: Kyle Gunther joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, You probably saw the quotes from uh, UCLA's receiver. I saw them. I read them before I saw them. When I read them, I thought, hey, maybe that's something. Then I saw them, and I thought they were nothing. Utah's known for being tough, but I think we're ready to go out and show that we're the tougher team. But he said it with no disdain, no fire, no... Nah, it was just, it was nothing. Having said that, will Kyle take it, twist it into a pretzel, and use it to motivate the team? Or is it just one week at a time and go beat him because you're the better team?
1: Oh, that comment will come back up. And you're right, with a lot of these quotes, when you read them, they can sound worse than they are. And that's kind of the problem with social media and, uh, and all that stuff anyways. But, you know, when you actually hear someone speak in the context of, you know, being asked a question about an opponent, I get it. UCLA has been looking for that key to being a tough team for the last two or three decades. They haven't been a tough team because the weather is perfect there. They have all the amenities that you could ever want. And life is perfect, really, for that team. And so they haven't had to go through the adversity of what you have to go through at Utah, where you're running in the summer in 100-degree heat and you're practicing in the fall and the wintertime in freezing cold rain. Kyle Whittingham has never once put on a pair of pants for practice. No, he just always wears shorts. He toughs it out. He's a crusty old man. Utah's a tough team. And anybody that watches Utah can tell they're a tough team. And let's talk about what that means. A tough team, when you're tough, it means your quarterback can hurt his knee and he'll come back in a game. It means your running back, Zach Moss, he got lit up at one point against Arizona State. He came back in the game. Being a tough team means that when, when Nick Ford blocks you at guard or tackle, And then the running back runs past. He doesn't stop. He keeps driving you. He keeps trying to knock you in the ground. Orlando Umana never stops talking. The center for Utah, he's screaming all game. He's driving guys into the ground. That's what being a tough team is. It's guys that are making plays. They're in better shape than you. They're talking trash. They get better as the game wears on. That's what a tough team is. But, yeah, Kyle Winningham is not going to let somebody at least even compare the toughness level of these two teams. Now, if it was a Washington player, I don't think it would be a big deal. An Oregon player this year, maybe, but UCLA is historically one of the most talented and also soft programs in the history of football. So I find it pretty comical that UCLA is uh, is playing that card at this point, or at least yeah, they're searching for motivation.
2: How much are you concerned about, do you have, as far as the Utes getting so much love, and maybe, in a sense... Permeating some softness into them because I don't know if they've ever received this much positive publicity, and it makes me a little nervous, and I know it does, Kyle, that everything is so great and they're getting so many compliments.
1: It is so much easier to motivate yourself when you have an axe to grind. When you're ranked 10 spots back from where you think you should, maybe you dropped a game and people are talking trash, I think you have that motivational factor but Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss, Damari Simpkins, uh, Darren paulo these guys are seniors. These guys are leaders, and they've been through it before. And, uh, and I don't think that's going to be a factor coming up because, frankly, UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado are nowhere near as good a football teams as Utah. This is the best Utah football team maybe ever. Uh, they really should be undefeated. They're a couple of plays away from uh, beating USC, and close doesn't count. But they're also a couple of plays away from smoking Washington. I thought Jacob Eason was sensational last week. He made a couple of throws that were just perfect. Other than that, the Utes beat Washington going away. The Utes are a very good football team. UCLA can really only run the ball, and then sometimes their quarterback can run it. Arizona's a complete mess right now. They can't figure out their quarterback. And Colorado's the worst team in the league. So the Utes are primed to close out their season with three straight wins. And I think they're a Rose Bowl-caliber team. So it, it is tough when you start to get adulation, when you start to get you know people saying nice things about you. But also, you got eight NFL players on this team, draftable NFL players. This is a talented group. You know, sometimes you know Elvis Presley used to dance because he knew he was pretty, and he was a talented rock and roll musician. You know, the, the youths are talented, and they know they're talented. And sometimes that's what swagger is, is being good and knowing you're good and backing it up by working yourself to the bone every single day and watching film and you know Kyle Whittingham is not going to come in and make a joke on Monday's meeting Kyle Whittingham's is not going to do a ha 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 highlight reel no Kyle Whittingham is as intense Monday of a bye week as he is Monday of a game week as he is Thursday he's not going to let the team slip up and think oh we got an easy week here no it's you'll see Kyle Whittingham's intensity You'll see it during the bye week. As we mentioned, what's he doing? He's probably going to do some recruiting, and then he's going to be right back in the weight room running on a treadmill at a 10-degree, you know, whatever, the the vertical incline, running at 10 miles an hour, sprinting. He's 60 years old. He he still looks like he could kick your ass. The players will respect that. And Kyle Whittingham, over the last 25 years, has shown that his record coming off a bye week has got to be one of the best in the history of football. What is he, like... I think he's like 13 and, you know, whatever it is, 13 and 2 or something like that. He just, he never loses coming off a bye week hardly because he does focus so hard on keeping that team uh, away from the newspaper clippings, the radio uh, headlines and the the Twitter talks. He focuses on what matters, the task at hand, the daily grind. He always talks about relishing the grind and football is a grind Monday through Friday and then you get the reward of the game on Saturday.
0: We've been discussing the various bowl possibilities uh, for the Utes and the playoffs. Do you have any hope for the playoffs? Is it really important to you? Is winning the Pac-12 title good enough for you and most of the Ute fans you know?
1: I think winning the Pac-12 title is the the coup de grace. Now, if you make the playoffs, obviously, you know, that's another stratosphere. Um, But I I don't know if the Utes are going to be in a position, unless they blow the doors off of Oregon and they get some help, then they could potentially sneak into the playoff. But the point is that this Utah team is good enough to make the playoff. This team is good enough to make the New Year's Six. This is a uh, a Rose Bowl-caliber team, however you want to call it. They are in that discussion. This is the best defense ever at Utah, and I think they can beat a lot of teams at the top of the mountain. But to answer your question, DJ, if the Utes win the Pac-12 outright, they win the South, then they win the championship game, which, hell, they beat Oregon last year with Jason Shelley. If they got Tyler Huntley in there, I'm picking the Utes to beat Oregon all the way. And if they do that, they will have achieved, I think, the greatest level of success they can at this point. Obviously, winning the Rose Bowl would be great, but yeah, I don't know who they would play at that point. Would it be Ohio State or something, or Penn State? Uh, you know, We'll have to see what the matchup works out at, but I think it was these, uh PK you mentioned earlier Kyle Whittingham's almost sixty. He's mentioned he doesn't want to coach for another ten years. No. If the Utes close out this season undefeated, they win the Pac twelve championship game and win the Pac twelve overall, I wonder if Kyle Whittingham will consider uh you know going off and, and retiring and falling back in love with golf and, and just golfing all day.
2: Hmm. This year going out on top. That would be interesting. And,
1: and it would be terrible. I mean, it, it would be heartbreaking, I think, because Kyle Whittingham is a, as important to Utah as any other coach is to one school in the history of college football. He's Bear Bryant-esque, but not with the same level of treating players that way. No, Kyle Whittingham is a grade A human being. He's a Hall of Fame coach. And I wish he would stay at Utah forever. Uh, but the fact is, at some point, you, you got to move on. And, and Kyle Whittingham... I, I, I just get a sense that if he's able to go out on top this year, he would consider that. He would consider that pass, but uh, I don't think it would be a great sign for Utah football. No, I, I know there's so many Utah fans that love to be Twitter tough guys and talk about, oh, I want to score more points on offense. Go watch Washington State. They score a lot of points. They get beat a lot. Arizona loses games 55-58. to 58. And You can score a lot of points, and you can take more risks on offense, but you will not, conversely, play an elite brand of defense at the same time. No one does that. Clemson every couple of years does it. Bama every couple of years does it. Other than that, not even Notre Dame does it. Watch Notre Dame's offense last year. They were pretty damn conservative. Ian Book, he's not, uh, he's not throwing it around like Pat Mahomes out there. So, you just can't have your cake and eat it too. I'm never going to fault a fan for wanting more excitement. You can want whatever you want from your team, but the reason Kyle Whittingham is one I don't know, 88% of his games over the last 20, you know, 15, 20 years, whatever, in his involvement with the youths is because of that conservative game plan where you will run the football, you will control the clock and not turn it over offensively, and then defensively, the youths play man coverage and they just, like an anaconda, they just squeeze the life out of a team because you can't run the ball. You're not going to Achieve success on more than a handful of deep balls. And that's the game plan. And it has worked for Kyle Whittingham. Fans can argue it's not been all that exciting, and that's okay, but you cannot argue with the result. And so that result is there because of Kyle Whittingham's ability to, to stay the course of being conservative and rely on that game plan. But, no, I never want to see Kyle Whittingham retire. I love watching him each and every week because I know that consistency is there. I know what he's like in those team meetings. He's ferocious. I know what he's like out there at practice. Heaven forbid he hears you complaining about the cold out there. He is just an old-school tough guy, but still he's got a way to develop young men and have a positive impact on the community. He is statue-esque. He's statue-worthy. If and when Kyle Whittingham decides to hang it up, he needs a statue. Put it on 4South out there. Put it right out there in front of the stadium.
2: Oh, man. I, I got to throw this at you. When they were down 14 to 3 last week, I got a tweet. Guy says, You need to do your job and start calling for Whittingham's resignation. This program will never get to where it needs to be with him as the coach. I'm paraphrasing, but that was basically the gist of it. You,
1: you know, Utah fans, I don't know if any other fan base does this, but Utah fans lead the nation in first quarter angry tweets. <laughs> uh, football games are 60 minutes long for a reason and the youth you know, sometimes they have games where they start fast uh, a lot of times they don't and I'll tell you it's not a, a coincidence it's because the youth don't come out of the gate throwing deep balls USC does USC's the best first half team in the country the last 10 years now they don't win enough games because they don't have the ability to close out a 60 minute football game you, the, the youth they don't just throw up deep routes right away no it's like a boxer trying to find their space Kyle Whittingham is obsessed with boxing. He, he loves the sweet science. And so, you know, back to Whittingham, he talks about, you know, early on in games, you've got to find your distance, you've got to find your jab, you lean on your defense, you can run the football a little bit, throw some screens, and then when you get in the right situation, then you'll take your shots and you'll take over and you'll win a game. But if you win the game 17-14, to 14, you still get the win. Now, I know Utah fans want to be up 14 nothing after the first two possessions. Every single week, you we see the same tweets, but any fan calling for Kyle Whittingham's job is wrong. You can be wrong. Half the country's wrong in the way they vote, depending on who you ask. Uh, you can be wrong if you want, but Kyle Whittingham's job is not, uh, it's not unsafe. Kyle Whittingham's methods have been damn near perfect. He's made essentially two or three mistakes in the last 15 years being this, this team's head coach, but... No, Utah fans love to get angry after the first drive, and and especially if the opponent scores on the first drive. Oh, here we go! Here we go again! This Utah, yeah, the know getting out coached, but they forget about the adjustments that happen at halftime. And when you adjust in, in the second half, you're you're you know you're almost shutting out opponents. That's what great coaching is. It doesn't mean you're going to get up fourteen to three. USC was up fourteen nothing on the Utes last year. Uh, you mentioned Washington being up this year. Washington's a very talented football team. You don't just completely take a team out. Have the Jazz ever won a game 100 to nothing? No. no. The other team is going to move the ball. The other team's going to have success. Hunter Bryant's going to play in the NFL. Uh, Washington has some really talented players. But the Utes stay the course, uh, and they got that spark from Jalen Johnson's interception, and they ended up winning that game. There's three phases to football. It's offense, defense, and special teams. I know fans love the deep ball. Offense is the most exciting brand, uh, the most exciting aspect of football. But you two are trying to win games, not impress you. But, no, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm not surprised that there's angry Utah fans early on in games. And those same fans that tweet you in the first quarter, oh, this offense sucked. here we go again. Well, they don't tweet you in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but, but, again, if, if you're calling for Whittingham's head, you're allowed to have that opinion, but you're wrong.
0: Kyle, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
1: BJPK. PK, thank you, gentlemen.
0: Kyle Gunther is here every week. On 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Diamond Airport Parking. Don't take the bus tour at the airport parking lot. Diamond Airport Parking offers covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, and free 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking, since 1922, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save at Diamond Airport Parking.
3: This, this this, is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want.
0: From The Athletic, Mike Eugenin. I'll be honest,
1: if I'm a Pac-12 coach and Urban Meyer takes that USC job, I'm hoping I'm a Pac-12 coach in the North. <laughs> well, you know, it's good for the, I mean. It's good for the league, it's though. It's good you're for right. the conference. In, a, in, a, in yeah. a weird way, you're right. If USC is your standard bearer, the national perception of the league is much stronger, and that's East Coast bias. Um, I certainly think Oregon and Utah are really good teams, and put them in the SEC or Big Ten or ACC or Big 12, those teams are going to challenge for the title. I think the perception, though, is when USC's down, the league as a whole is down. So from the national perception standpoint, having USC be really, really
3: good is a great, Thing for the Pac-12s old. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy Dealers on 975-1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ PK and David Locke, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us. David, good morning.
4: Good morning. How are you? I'm confused.
2: Why are you confused? PK, what's wrong with our guy? I don't know. I'm not I don't know where he's going. We'll have to find out. He's confused. He's been in the business for like sixty-two years.
4: He's everybody's buddy. He does yeah. TV and radio. He's like seventeen-time
2: Utah sportscaster, the year-old winner. How can if he's confused, all of us are confused. Yeah, I'll tell you. I, I got we got a post on our DJ and PK Facebook page this week that DJ is so professional, and I'm a narcissist.
0: I'm the one who posted well, right. it too. Uh, I'm like, a well, narcissist. Well, I'm
4: sorry. I'm I'm lack. I'm misunderstanding what's news about this. And he's so professional. Like, you guys have been on the air for how long?
2: Thirty-seven years. Yeah. So,
4: so the <laughs> coolest thing is that we, you just got like a brand new listener because <laughs> clearly it didn't just come to him that that's the case.
2: I thought, man, I'm so lovable.
0: <laughs> Little did I know. All right. So here's what I'm confused about. In an era. And you have been preaching this for at least five years. Shoot more threes, shoot more threes. It's the best way to do it. Shoot more threes. And I'm watching jazz games, and it seems really clear to me that teams are committed to staying with three-pointers and committed to making sure Rudy doesn't break that dunk record again. And what that is leaving open, I mean, it's. I sit up high enough, it's really obvious. If, if we sat down the first four rows like we used to, it wouldn't be as obvious, but... The middle of the floor, there are possessions where it is freakishly wide open. And Donovan Mitchell, especially just in this most recent game, Donovan Mitchell went in the middle of paint, lost his guy, rose up all by himself and made the shot. He got into a groove, I think it was the second quarter. Seemed like he must have scored on mid-range jumpers on like three times in four possessions. And you can't complain when you're scoring almost every time down the, the, the court. And I look at the box at the end of the game, and they've shot 25 threes. and Both teams had. And, but I'm reading some stuff, some national writers are writing about trends this year, and there are more teams than ever shooting 43-pointers in the game, and that's the way to go. So... What do you make of this? Where's it going to go in the long run? I mean, any one game, anything can happen. Uh, I asked Donovan about it afterwards, and he said, hey, I I shoot 30 of them in warm-ups, and I shoot more than that at the shoot-arounds because the coaches are looking at the film, and they're saying it's going to be there, and I need to be ready to take advantage of it. So I'm working on this. What do you think of this going against the grain, and is it going to last? And is it going to work, and are they going to win at the rate Jazz fans want to win?
4: So my answer to the open mid-range shot is to shoot the three. Okay. Well, you're consistent. Now, <laughs> you're not, not going to shoot 100%. You're not going to shoot 100% of your shots as threes. So you're going to have to shoot, I mean, ideally it's only 20%, but maybe it's 25%. It shouldn't be 35% of your shots as mid-range shots. And so you're going to – and then the next part of that, this is what Toronto did really well last year, is your good shooters should shoot your mid-range shots. You can actually, if you shoot your mid-range well, you can get better that way. So Donovan shooting them to some extent is okay. His shot chart right now, in my personal opinion, is out of whack. He's great right now. He's probably top five player in the league. He's made a huge jump year two to year three. Really hard to complain about anything he's doing. But he's shooting 16 percentage points better than the average player on the long two right now. That's not going to last. I don't care how great he is. Steph Curry doesn't shoot 16 percentage points above the average player. So if that doesn't last and he starts slipping into the 45, 46, 47 percent, which is still elite in the league, then the three is a much better shot. Well, not much better, but it's a better shot. Um, There are times when I'm watching Donovan where that's – He'll think you've got to come off that pick and roll and pull into a three rather than pulling into a mid-range jumper. He shoots that at 33%. So that's, you know, one point per zero shot. So if he's shooting the mid-range above 50% like he is right now, then for the time being, that's a better shot, and he probably has to mix the two of them. But just in general, the math is still the reason teams are leaving that open is because they want you to take it, and you've got to find a way to fight it. Donovan's been (laughs) brilliant. And so he's getting through it. But I would point out that in the third in the beginning of the fourth quarter the other night, on a night where everyone's wowing about how Donovan shot the mid range so well, he had taken twenty three shots for twenty three points. Right. So even on the night where he was brilliant with that long two because he was getting caught inside the mid range that floater and not getting the rim, I think he went 0 for five and the paint. By the time the night was done, he's still down at a not particularly efficient level. Now, late in the game, to his credit, because he's just been so great this year, he's going to the rim, he's drawing fouls, he got to the line, and he pushed that number back up. But the really big problem with pulling for a long two is you're never getting fouled. Yep,
0: yep, you're right.
4: So you've eliminated the most efficient shot in the game. In fact, it's just such an inefficient shot. It's really stunning. I mean, it's just... Is 9% on even if it is better than the league average at 45, it's still only .9 points per shot. And the corner, the rim is 1.3. The corner three is 1.2. The above the break is between about 1.1. And so over 20 shots at .2 difference between that and above the break three as the year goes on, which is where the numbers will head, that's a lot. Like, you know, for 10 shots, that's two points a night. For 20 shots, it's four points a night. Four points a night over a course of a season is 10
2: wins. What about the old axiom take what the defense gives you?
4: Absolutely not. And why? Because the math is... Because the math is so different. Now, now let me... Let me in, in fairness, let me give two examples of teams that kind of did a little of that last year, but they had some unique players, and maybe Donovan's that unique player. The... San Antonio Spurs and the uh, LA Clippers last year shot a high amount of mid-range shots, a low amount of threes, but shot the three at such a high percentage that that they they were able to skew the math, right? They were no longer... The Spurs were the number one three-point shooting team in the league. So DeRozan and Aldridge living in the mid-range, two of the best mid-range players in all of the league. Not actually particularly efficient, but just two of the best. And they created three-point looks out of that mid-range action that were so open with good shooters that they shot, I think, close to 40% on threes last year. So they were able to skew the numbers to their benefit to be actually a half-decent, but if I remember correctly, the Spurs last year affected even as the three-point shooting team in the league may have only been 11th or 12th. I'd have to check that, but it wasn't great because of the amount of mid-range shots they took. It's incredibly hard. I'm kind of TK, but it's true. You still have got to find a way to get those threes, or just get to the rim. I mean, one or the other, um, but the mid-range shot, even if you red hot, not of 16 percentage points above the league average right now. That's incredible. He's amazing. And that is what makes that shot being worthwhile, is to be that great.
0: Of all, of all the things you said, the thing that I agree with the most and I would underline the most is that when he shoots those twos, even if he's practicing and even if he's red hot and in a groove, he doesn't get fouled. And, uh, you know, I think he is a guy who can go to the free throw line ten times a game. He had a 14 free throw night earlier this year. So they need to get him to the line. I'm also curious, at the end of the game, Bogdanovich hit a huge three that really gave the Jazz the cushion they needed there in the final minutes to win that game. And he did it. We're used to seeing a pick and roll, and it's always with Rudy. And Rudy's got all the screen assists and all that. But what about putting shooters in the corners and Rudy in that dunk spot that Ronnie Brewer was in a decade ago and running a two-man game with with Bogdanovich and Mitchell? Can that work, or will teams catch on to that and solve it pretty quickly? Or are two guys who are that dynamic offensively, if you put them two-on-two with that much space, are they going to light another team up?
4: So it's a great question, T.J., and you're, there's a bunch of stuff you're onto there. Um, let me just take that play in its isolation. So Bogdanovich comes out of the right corner, runs up to Donovan as the top. Donovan's being guarded by Neto. Bogdanovich is being guarded by Tobias Harris. So Bogdanovich starts in the, the down right corner. He comes up to Donovan. He doesn't really set a pick. He just brushes off the backside of Neto. It's something that Quinn, at least in my opinion, Quinn brought to the league about three years ago, and now everyone's doing it. It was a reaction to the switching defenses of the NBA, and it's really kind of what busted switching. Why so few teams switch anymore? Because as a defensive player, what do you do? He's running right off the side of your guy. He's about to set a pick. You're supposed to yell the switch before the pick so you can switch, but he actually never sets the pick. So what do you do? Tobias Harris stopped. To switch, he and Neto, who had probably never played together, had no communication between each other, and so Bogdanovich flared to the top and was wide open for the three because of the fact that that was kind of just that two. You know, most teams switch one through four, and so your worst case scenario there is if they do switch it correctly, then Donovan's going on to buy a Ferris who he lacks lateral quickness, and he should probably beat. So that's the premise of the play. The interesting thing that that play also does that you're talking about is Rudy's waiting down in the dunk spot, which is on the baseline, and he was on the baseline left, is the the defensive big now is attached to Rudy down there because they don't want to let him go. And... As a game gets down to its final possessions, the higher percentage shot might have a little more value. So you do open up the middle of the floor for a mid-range shot in that case, particularly if it's the last possession of the game, and it certainly is worth more. Um, There's some argument that if there's two possessions left, it's actually worth a little bit more. Um, And we're at about two or three possessions left. And also, it allows the driver to get downhill, and if the big comes forward to them, then you can get the lob to Rudy maybe easier than you can in the pick-and-roll. So that's a little bit of that. The other one is that if you bring Rudy up to Donovan, you're bringing the possibility of a trap on Donovan, and then the release on that is Rudy, and now Rudy's handling the ball at 20 feet away from the basket with the game on the line and the clock, walk, clock running down. You don't really want that.
2: Do you have right now a chalkboard and a whistle? Yeah. <laughs> I do not.
4: That's a lie. You do too. I go to practice an awful lot. So I get the really great gift of getting to watch these guys practice these things and see them set up. And it's really, I got to say, it's incredible how often you see them execute a play that they worked on time and time again. Even the three by Donovan that didn't work in Sacramento late in the game, was a practice play they've practiced numerous times and frankly they got you know, Donovan didn't get his legs underneath him and Holmes made a pretty good defensive play and Donovan probably could have gotten fouled. Uh but that play worked as well as you probably can imagine. And it was pretty it's pretty interesting to watch how often Quinn puts something in and then it's executed and the subtle adjustments and um and then the other one on Quinn I would just share that's incredible is how often he says something to me and then two or three weeks later he'll implement it. Like, Hey, I'm thinking about this. I think I'm seeing this and then he starts to see it even more and he figures out how to adjust to it. And I think you'll see some changes in how the jazz attack, um, offensively, uh, as this league continues to do what it's doing right now, which is dropping the big to the rim and then, uh, hugging the shooters. Interesting tonight, by the way, if I may, uh, PKI or DJ brought it up, but PKI will just, I'll just talk to you you because you'll understand it. Um, just kidding. Uh, Milwaukee does not do what we're talking about. So Milwaukee defends the rim, will not let you get to the basket. They last year only allowed 30% of shots at the rim. This year they're below that. And they allow you to shoot the above-the-break three. They were last in the league last year denying the above-the-break three. So, you know, this one's interesting. Do you just not try to attack the rim and you just shoot 63s tonight as your way to attack them? Is they put Brook Lopez and Robin Lopez right in front of the rim and say you're not getting here um, because you don't want to be taking those mid-range shots? So you'll see the Jazz should be able to get into the paint, and then there'll be no room tonight, particularly with Giannis and the Lopez brothers, and then you're kicking it out to open three-point shooters, and this will be a good test of whether or not the Jazz-improved shooting shows up. Um, This is an interesting trend in the league also, DJ. Teams have decided the rim is so important that they're just defending the rim. The Miami Heat, the Orlando Magic, the L.A. Clippers, and the Milwaukee Bucks are all... Top five in the league at defending the rim, but also top five in allowing threes, I think it is. And they're also five of the best defensive teams in the league. The Clippers are not. The Clippers are about 16th. So the others are all top five defensive teams in the league right now.
0: So so Jerry Sloan's still right. Layups and dunks are still the most important thing. That is true. And free throws, because that's where you get them.
4: Against the Rockets in some of those playoff series, they could have taken another three or two, but that's okay. It's a little, a little water under the bridge.
0: We got to run here, but I'm just curious about the influence of Popovich in San Antonio. It seems like I can draw a line from Popovich to a, most, if not all, of the best teams in the league. There's a line to Philadelphia. There's a line to Utah. There's a line to Milwaukee. Uh, if you follow Kawhi, that sends you to Toronto for their championship and to the Clippers now. There's also the LeBron. Wherever LeBron goes, that's its own you know center of gravity there. Um, but did the Spurs figure out a lot of stuff first?
4: I think so. Um, and a style of play and um, a concept that Dennis Lindsay talks about a lot of the program. Quinn Snyder talks about it a lot. Um, so I think, you know, and having just kind of core Beliefs of what you're doing. Kenny Atkinson's trying to do it in Brooklyn. Sean Marks is Brooklyn. That's both San Antonio. You know, the other thing I would say they've had great success. The other thing is, you know, that's where everyone's got and got their talent. Um, and for a long time, that was Pat Riley, right? The Van Gundy's and mm-hmm. and others coming out of the Pat Riley school was the one that Tom Thibodeau um, and maybe the game evolved a little bit. And so the Popovich crew is on the front end. Um, Pop Lake's brains. I mean, Bud's Bud and Quinn are two of the smartest in the league. Um little Skyak Pride. Nobody's ever heard of the Skyak, but I remember the Skyak and so is Bud, so I'm gonna give him credit. Um, even though he's a Sachen. Um, and so the these are things you've just never heard on your sports radio show before. Skyak and Fachen. But I gotta give, you know, my college conference at least a little love. Uh, so there's something to that. I mean those are all there's a there's an intelligence level that I think that the Spurs are looking for for intellectual curiosity that has led to this success.
0: David, thanks a lot. We'll hear you on the call tonight. Are you still confused? Mm, a little bit. I, I don't think they're going to live by the two forever, but I think they may ride it for a while. I, they, they need free can throws. Can I be honest?
4: It, it makes me uncomfortable when you're confused. You You are kind of my, you know, stable... Solid, everyone's buddy, good friend, you know, raised two fabulous kids, great wife, lead education. for your. I mean, you're right. kind of my model, so you're being confused. It makes me uncomfortable. And I then need you me. as my foundation. You got in
2: one question
0: today. You got in two. <laughs> you asked him if he had PK. a whistle and a clipboard.
4: <laughs> TK, no, I, I love questions. you, and if you really <laughs> miss me, you can just
0: call.
2: <laughs> What's your number?
0: thank you David see you guys David Locke Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz Brian Keel the Cougars coming up at the top of the hour
3: take the zone with you wherever you go let's go download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone. And the
0: Joint scouting hands Monday, noon to 3. Sound Sleep Medical, 8941 South, 700 East in Sandy. Brian Keel coming up. BYU getting into the soft part of their schedule two game win streak this ought to go to five headed down to San Diego State for the regular season finale goody goody yeah goody not a lot of people say goody anymore
2: I just did who do you think has a bigger crush I just got a text a tweet that says tell Gunther to get a room with Whittingham too much man love Gunther with Whittingham me with Whittingham Locke with Quinn Snyder, Gordon with Quinn Snyder, and you with the human race.
0: Oh, me with the human race. Without question. Really tough call for second place there. The human race that you can make money off
2: of. They just don't know it. They ought to know it. They don't. And they think it's genuine
0: and sincere. Oh, well, they'll figure it out one day. You can keep telling
2: them. After you're dead. They're dead. Everyone's dead. bump, bump, We do have some serious man
0: crushes in this market. That's what makes it good. How about the flip side of that? What? Oh, who do Quinn and Kyle and the human race really love?
2: Well, probably none of us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what it says. Like, I don't think anybody. <laughs> just, we think they're our buddies. I'll go with Kyle and you. Why would you go with Kyle and me? Because I think he likes you. What's not to like? See, that's why. Yeah, but does he love me? Yeah, I don't know that. I can't go there. <laughs> but I don't even know that anybody else likes anybody else. So you're still in the lead.
2: We'll find out when he retires.
0: I think people will find this weird, but there is something about you. Uh, that entertains him. And you're here to entertain the people in cars, not to entertain the people in power. But somehow, you entertain him. He doesn't bring you up in all these press conferences. Like, Quinn Snyder doesn't bring up David Locke and Gordon Monson in press conferences. Kyle doesn't bring up Gunther in press conferences. I think, though, football's a little bit different. It is. Basketball... The next game is always so yeah, close, you're, just you're never barely off. trying to breathe. I get that. And, and that and that is one hundred percent true. And there is something a football on a Monday, you don't have a game until Saturday. Right. Now you got ten thousand And you just won. And you got ten thousand things to do. Right. So it's not like you're sitting around doing nothing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But it isn't the immediacy of that kickoff, that tip off. Right. Is right there. I mean, we are literally turn the page on to the next thing. Yeah. NBA coaches Preach it to the point they don't even need to say it anymore. Even media schlubs like me get it. You're just trying to survive the season. Yeah, because the games come at you so So fast. So many plane trips. You are really you're drinking out of the fire hydrant. I mean, it's just yeah. From a media perspective, the best thing to cover is college football. You got time to tell stories and
2: yeah, and you can mess around,
0: mess around and analyze and
2: yeah. On Monday, you're you're five days
0: away shoot from the around, real pressure shoot around game post game playing shoot around game post right, yeah, game playing I mean, bam, 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 bam 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 it's and endless and as a TV radio guy walking over there to a shoot around and they're coming back from the road and you see the riders who are traveling coming in and they're younger and they got more energy and all that, and they come in and there are trips they come in and they just look beat and you know it's because they are Late game on the West Coast, early morning flight, back for a shoot-around. They're grinding. And the time. Utes are
2: winning at such a high level that it's all fun and games. Right. On Mondays. There was a time, those two five and seven seasons, he, I can tell you a couple of personal stories. Kyle wasn't nearly as funny. No, no. And I tried in private moments to cheer him up. It, was, it He felt the weight of the world, man. When you look, you look up and you see all these fans dressed in, whether it's home or away, and you see them, and they're so financially and emotionally and spiritually invested, and you bear the weight of that. I've only seen it by extension many times over. I've never borne the weight of it because I don't have it. That's why I got Steve Cleveland just making fun of me before a big game. Look at you. You know, and you look at him, and he's looking like he's 95 years old because of the pressure that these guys are under. So that's why I like to see Utah win, because then it's fun in games. I like to see them all win, but particularly for college football. Even in college basketball, there's you got games. Where in football, it's set up for that. As long as you win, you're not going to see me or him joking after a loss. It just doesn't work that way.
0: Steer clear. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, we're talking Cougars. Brian Keel, the red and the blue. Brian Keel's coming up next. Stay with us.